Welcome to episode 32 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It is Monday night, November 11th. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matthew R. Cassell. Hi, McSauce fans. Tonight Ian, we Paul? venture into... I'm Matt. not a fan of this shit. I just work here. I was just saying hi to you separately. Oh, oh okay. Tonight we venture into part two of our DC versus Marvel conversation. Last week we covered characters, which got the Marvel nod, creators, which went to DC, and storylines, which also went to DC. So starting our part two, DC is ahead two to one. But before we get into any talk, including a little classic Robocop talk, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Talking about Marvel and DC... People have different ideas about the things they like. Some people like chocolate. Other people like vanilla. Some people prefer the color red for their comic book company <laughs> logos. Other people prefer blue. Some people like ball gags. Other people like French ticklers. It's all up to what your personal preference is. One thing when it comes to comic book related humor that we can all agree on. Smoking fake cigarettes. Is smoking fake cigarettes. And where do you smoke those fake cigarettes? On the internet whenever you're on McSauce.com. We have strips that come out on Tuesdays and Fridays. Reviews of the comic books that we love on Mondays and Thursdays. And just like the comic shops that I'm sure that you all venture to every Wednesday. We have a podcast on Wednesday. You can find the podcast in a variety of ways. Stream it through mcsauce.podomatic.com or Stitcher Radio. Do you realize that our fans get to actually listen to us on their way to the comic book store on Wednesday evenings? It's it's a blessed experience. I'm sure they're all thankful to have us with, with them. They can even put their earbuds in and while they're going through, find the comic books that they want, listen to our takes on all our favorite comic books in what you've been reading. If we ever do that segment again, yeah. You can subscribe to us through iTunes. That way you'll never miss any of our audio gold. If you're looking for a more personal touch, some more <laughs> sauce, you know, in your life, you can go and you can send us an email. You can hit us on Twitter, like the Facebook page. Um, if there's something that you liked in the past that we did that you want to comment on, let us know. If there's something that you fucking hated, let us know about that. We'll listen to you. We really, we adore our fans, and we adore your feedback as well. I don't think we get enough feedback. No, I don't think we do. Not lately. Uh, Talking about one of our fans, I want to plug one of their business, uh, a supporter of McSauce, Jeremy Knaus, that has been a supporter since 2008, whenever we only did the strip. He has a restaurant called Spitfires with a Z. You can go to www.spitfires.com. It's a... Takeout, dine-in, and catering service, and he also he refers to himself as the Pig Jedi. So I can only <laughs> I can only assume that he performs butchering with a lightsaber, and he has force push and pulled pork down there. So Spitfires.com and help support somebody that has always been um, a big McSauce fan. But tonight, oh. As well as the Oaks Theater, which is also supportive of McSauce. And this Friday and Saturday at 10 o'clock, a movie that we all here enjoy, Mallrats, is going to be playing at the Oaks in Oakmont, PA. So go down there, check it out, and uh, snoochie boochies. So, <laughs> t- 
Tonight, we're going to talk part two of Marvel vs. DC. Marvel's down one to two, but that's not a big deficit to make up, and I'm sure with some of their strengths, like the movies... And uh, some other things that they do really well. And uh, the movies. The movies and, oh yeah, the movies. Uh, we'll be able to bridge that gap, those dirty DC cocksuckers. That was kind of harsh. But, more importantly than Marvel versus DC right now, Speaking we... Speaking of dirty cocksuckers. ...need to talk about something that's, that's very important to the podcast, and that is... Uh, the the 1987 classic RoboCop, um, and a certain one of our co-hosts here saw it for the first time in how many years? Since the drive-in, when Since it was originally released. The drive-in, when it was originally released, back when Paul was 17 or 18. I believe I was nine. And, uh, Paul, what were your thoughts on it after having not seen it for 25 years? I felt it was fairly rudderless. Rudderless. It didn't have... That's a a very... um, Oh, what's the word? Kind of... It's a nice word. It's a nice word. Explain rudderless. It didn't have the strong through line that tied the entire movie together that I wanted. It felt a little hectic and chaotic and didn't really know what it wanted to be. I thought that the creators just wanted to do a bunch of different stuff, and they smashed them all into a movie surrounding a robot police officer. It was not what I remembered. As a kid, I thought it was great. Guns, a robot, an even bigger robot that can't walk downstairs. It was amazing. But as going back to it as, as an adult, not having the... Uh, not having the sentimentality connected to it like I do some things admittedly He-Man it it wasn't what I remembered it wasn't what I expected and I was just disappointed I never thought that that movie took itself seriously um even when it's not doing things like uh Nukem and that other board game that they were playing in the, the beginning commercial it's still, even during the action sequences, like when RoboCop first goes out on patrol for his very first time and he shoots that dude in the nuts, or when um, the dude that's robbing the convenience store keeps shouting, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, and RoboCop just bends his gun in half, or whenever he goes and um, takes out that the, the mayor who lost in the, the election, who went crazy and took hostages... It was all done with a sense of humor, so I think that the movie is very consistent in that regard. It can um, be funny, but still have a main through line that ta- that carries you through the movie. Is it about the guys that created RoboCop? Is it about RoboCop? Is it about his partner trying to help him find himself afterwards? Is it about all the weird shit that's just telling well, you how weird this, it's about- this world is? The through line is definitely RoboCop, but it has all the subplots with the creators, as well as his partner, Lewis. I mean, it definitely shows you the man that <clears throat> Alex Murphy was before he was killed, and they give you hints of his, his family life and uh, what his kid liked, hence the TJ Laser reference. And uh, 
there are certain aspects that are presented to you initially in the movie that are then recalled later with him as RoboCop that kind of like shows that his humanity is still like with the machine. Do you think some of that, some of those emotional beats were there and they just weren't explored, Paul? Yeah, I think they tried to do all of that stuff. They didn't do any of it well because they were trying to do too much stuff. The dad from that 70s show, however, was fantastic. And so was the main guy. Not RoboCop, the main bad guy. Dick Dick Jones. Dick Jones? That's an amazing I don't know what the actor's name is, but yeah, Dick Jones. Um, Bob Morton was good, too. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, Bob Morton. He was such a dickhead, but, like, he was the creator. I think that's the Michael Keaton character in the new in the new one. Yeah, I thought that actor did a great job. I thought the dad from that 70s show, you know, did a great job. Clarence Boniker. I think, ultimately, it, it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. What I also liked about it, and what I like about 80s action movies of that ilk, were that it was hyper-violent, and it, I feel like it wasn't trying to do too much. As a matter of fact, I think it's a really incredibly straightforward movie, and um, I kind of appreciate that. It, it doesn't try to be anything beyond what it is. It's just an action movie with a sense of humor and with a sense of um, satire that runs throughout, um, and great character design. Incredible soundtrack by who's the, who did the soundtrack? I just, Basil Pulderis. Basil Razzle, as we affectionately Basil Ra- <laughs> yeah, Basil Razzle. Forgot about Basil Razzle. Basil Razzle Recall. Who Recall? Speaking of that, Paul Verhoeven directed it. Also directed Total Recall. And my favorite, Showgirls. Yes, he did do that too. Yeah, the things about RoboCop that. Made it iconic were, as you mentioned, character design, special effects. That's a striking image, That the poster of Robocop. Everybody knows that, as well as you like to point to the soundtrack and the opening theme. Not so much known for its excellent writing or emotional core. And I, I can see why all of us as young children really embraced the look of the cyborg running around blowing people's heads off. I'm sure that in the new movie they're going to adjust some of that stuff and maybe make it more prominent. But the things that made RoboCop the the original '87 movie so beloved are, you know, superficial things like, you know, the character design. I guess it's not superficial, but visual things like the character. Yeah, design. I mean, it, it's not maybe as important as the the core of the character, although I'm going to disagree, and I think the core of the character was there, and I think it was pretty strong throughout um, in the way that the things that we learn about him, even though they're brief in the beginning, they are kind of recalled later throughout the movie, like uh, things that he would say, visions that RoboCop had later, like he had these dreams, like he wasn't supposed to be dreaming. I remember that um, making me real sad when he would re- rerun, you know, his kids running around yeah. the house and things like that. And he that. was walking through the house and he's seeing these things, but they're not even there. And, um, yeah, it's like this almost tragic character. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what you were looking for. Yeah, the, uh, the idea was there. 
They just didn't do anything with it. They touched on little stuff. They were like, oh, look, he's sad. Now we're going to go to Bob Morton, you know, doing coke and fucking whores. And then they jumped something else. And then they jumped... So they need to focus on his sadness for the entire two hours. They needed to pick what what the movie was really going to be about. Was it about his vengeance? Was it about him trying to find himself again after being turned into a robot? Like, all those elements are there. But... There, there's no one unifying thing that made that movie affect me in any other way than that was fairly entertaining. They, the character RoboCop, um, evolved from what they wanted him to be. They wanted him to just be this machine that did whatever. But by the end, he basically has free will. He's finally in control. I watched it. I know. And I just don't think they did it well. I struggle to see in what way they didn't do it well. Because I glossed over everything. It's, it seemed no, like they didn't. a lot of the flash and dash of what what you say is it's it, it was trying to be funny the whole time. It was trying to be lighthearted and tongue-in-cheek. It wasn't that trying was to succeed. That was more important than making it a really good movie. They were able to accomplish both. It was a really good movie that had a sense of humor. Ian, you need to watch the shit right now. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, I will watch it. Um, if you guys would have told me that we were going to be having a RoboCop discussion tonight, I would have I wasn't expecting it. it. And- I, was, I was flipping through channels Saturday night, and I, I saw it was on. I was like, oh, I'm not, not doing anything. Matt's been talking this thing up. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I'm going to check this out. I think it's on Netflix. I'm going to have to check it out now it, because you guys are having this heated debate. It makes me sad when I look at the previews for the new movie because it seems like a lot of the things that I like and appreciate out of the original will not be present in the new movie. The look, which they... Clearly, they give him the classic silver look, but then they change him to black. And it just looks weird to me. It, like, the helmet almost looks like a different shape. Uh, and I don't even know if it is. I, I feel like it just changes color, but at the same time... I'm with you on the outfit the entire way. When they make him black in these new previews, it just looks like a black leotard. Yeah. It doesn't look like... He doesn't look like a robot anymore. No. I do like the new shape of the helmet. It's it's a little bit and more aerodynamic. It's a little biker helmet looking, but I still dig it. It's not the classic, but you can redesign things and have a little freedom with and it. Peter but Weller, I, I don't like the... I do not like the all black. I wish they would have just yeah. left it all silver. Peter Weller's uh, acting in the movie as, like this physical acting that he did to make himself look like a robot, very, like, Anthony Daniels, C-3PO-esque, um, did an incredible job. But in the new one, he just he moves like a normal athlete. Like, there's nothing robotic about it. And granted, you know, they're trying to bring it into the modern age, and robotics have come a long way since 1987. But it's I still want him to feel robotic. I'm not going to get too crazy on being critical about just the trailer. It looks like they threw a lot of great actors at this movie. Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, True. Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, I'm going. Samuel Jackson. It looks like they did a lot of work to make this look to make this be a quality movie. I'm excited for it. More excited now than I was when it initially was announced. I was on Matt's team about this new trailer until I watched the the original again. Now I think this new one is going to give me more of what I wanted from the original. We're going to get more of those emotional beats with his family. You more probably art. will. You'll probably get more of that. But I also agree that you're probably going to get less of what you want. 
It's not going to be hyper-violent, which was part of the charm of the original. I think it's going to be a PG-13 joint. Um, it's rare that you get an R-rated violent movie anymore anyway. Well, they remade Total Recall. Wasn't that PG-13? I believe so. There was very limited violence. Don't believe that they even showed the three boobs. That's pretty famous. Un- unacceptable. So... Total Recall. I'm, ner- I'm nervous about it because of those things. So, will I go see it? Yeah, of course, but I'm nervous. I don't like that Google doesn't auto-populate tits. <laughs> what is it auto-populate? It doesn't. You have to type those in yourself. Yeah, it's... Because I'm looking up the Total Recall tits. I thought you were looking up us three. Mm-hmm. We're boobs, not tits. Oh, okay, sorry. Singer. Yeah. So, anyway... They're, they're Robocop, go out and watch Robocop, everyone. Give us your opinion on it. Who's right, who's wrong, who's stupid, and who is <laughs> intelligent. There's a reason why we gathered here tonight, though, isn't there? There was. I thought it was the pizza in a little bit. Yeah. Mm. That sounds good. But uh, the real reason is we have a, a more pressing debate to settle um, that we began... Six days ago. The second act of a, of a two-part war that will decide the fate of our fandom. I think whoever comes out on top, we're all going to have to pledge allegiance to that company and stop buying uh And either wear red or blue. Yes, red or blue. Forever. Bloods or Crips. Forever. Forever. I was always partial to the Crips. Well, Snoop Dogg was a Crip. They had better musicians. I think that whole Death Row family... Was in the Crips. Oh, look at that crooked candy cigarette. The Crips also had a presence in my neighborhood growing up. So How I, special. I think I had to be partial to the Crips. You didn't have any choice in mm-hmm. that. Go back to that, that red versus blue. I like blue. Better aesthetic. I like blue too, but it doesn't really play all that heavily in the comic book company that I like. No, it, it it's does. a very it small part of that. And getting back to the comic book companies that we that we like, what are we going to go with tonight as our well? You topics? mentioned you mentioned comic books, so let's talk about the comic books before we get into movies. Let's, and media. let's talk about the actual. That seems broad. Let's talk about the comic books of Marvel. <laughs> let's talk D- about the actual DC. comic book because at some point, maybe when they kicked off Marvel now, Marvel stopped putting cover stock on their covers. And now the covers are just as flimsy as the rest of the pages inside the book. Now is that all of their covers or is it just the two books that you buy? It's, it's I unless buy, there's a prestige format. When you I go buy, when you walk through the aisles every week, is that what you're observing? The five Marvel books that I buy monthly all have paper covers on them. That's a negative in my book. Okay. But they're not really the most high-profile Marvel books. Can we say that? Nova. Nobody really gives a shit about Nova. X-Men. Hawkeye. Avengers. Hawkeye is nice. and eh, Avengers. Hawkeye is... Spider-Man. Is a, is a little indie. Iron Man. Beat. Well, so, Hulk. will you guys both buy Marvel books? Are you telling me it's only the ones that I'm buying that have crappy covers on them? No, it actually doesn't matter all that much to me. I do know that. It matters to me. Does it? It doesn't matter to me. You're gonna charge much. me three ninety nine for a book. Give me one that has a cover. Hmm. 
It doesn't matter all that much. It matters. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't want to go so okay. far as saying it's a slap in the face to the readers. It's more a slap on but, the ass. But but let's but let's let's, let's, let's get positive. Let's get over dramatic and say that it's a slap in the face and a spit directly it's, down the throat. Let's go. It's that a flick way. on your ear. It feels like it feels like back to our previous conversation where we said Marvel just has this arrogance about them now where they're like, they do. Fuck it. Make all of it make all of it, you know, interior page stock. They're gonna buy it anyway. Whatever. We don't need to do anything special. People are gonna buy our books anyway. In comparison to special, the, it, something normal. In like, comparison to the overcompensating off. inferiority complex that DC has, where they're like, "Let's do a whole month of villains covers that jump off the page and kiss you on the cheek," that kind of shit. Your only argument for one and a quarter podcasts has been that, villains covers. That's just one piece of it. I'm just saying that that's as well as. The gatefold covers that they but went to, it just feels like they're going completely out of their way when is. they could just write good stories, use the stable, the deep bench of characters that we talked about before, and not be so concerned about what Marvel's doing. True. And all that stuff, the Batman die cut covers, the Villains Month covers, the gatefold covers, they're all gimmicks, because that's, that's what they are. But... You don't have to buy them if you don't want to buy them. If you want to, you don't have them, to buy anything if you don't want to buy them. Right, you don't right, have to buy but shitty but cover stock. But if you just want to read Marvel books, you're stuck with that shitty cover stock. And not only that, but a lot of the uh, the enhanced covers weren't costing anything extra. For the Villains Month, they did they bump it up. For the Villains Month, they did bump it up to um, three ninety nine a book, but. That's, I would say I about, about that. DC ate the cost of those die cut Batman covers. Yeah, and and for the gatefold that had yeah. the extra fold, there was nothing, no additional fee. It it still feels like a gimmick, and that's all I'm saying. I would rather have a gimmick cover than no cover. But DC's still giving you something more for the same price. Marvel's giving you something less for the same price. Yeah, Marvel used to give you co- cover stock. Marvel but they doesn't don't know. even give you a special cover. They don't give you regular cover stock, let alone something more for your money. They still provide variant covers, Actually, just like not, DC that's not does. True, Paul. Marvel gives you a free digital version of the comic book. DC does not. And for somebody that has a Comicsology account, reads a lot of books, that is something that I would prefer over nitpicking <clears throat> the cover stock of a comic book. I don't think, I don't think that's nitpicky. I'm just saying that I like that perk more than having a thicker stock on my cover. That's giving you something, isn't it? Matt? I agree with you, Ian. However, Marvel did used to give you an actual cover and the digital code. Uh, it, it was, what, maybe about a year and a half ago that they stopped giving you the code? Um, or not I, the code, I, the cover. The cover. I, I don't really, I don't remember. I feel like it was right around Marvel now that they I, stopped. Yeah, it could be. Stopped yeah, that's stuff. about a year. And that's ago. generally when the whole digital thing started as well, right? Or maybe it's been a little. It started longer. a little earlier. I think that the big push was around April of last year with Avenging Spider-Man. That was the first one that I remember that there was a big push. It was that's big right. hype that. You you're had right. the code inside. You had to open the bag. I want to say, yeah, you're right. and there were a lot of books that that featured that same code. And the the cover stock thing is a nitpicky point to make, but it still goes into the 
entire the entire thing of buying comics. It's still part of the comic buying experience, and like it's a bummer for me. So to you, it does make holding it feel a little bit different too. I mean, yeah, maybe a little nitpicky, but it's true. Still affects the the experience. I like how you talk about the experience, but all you really do is go to the counter and say, where are my books? And they give you back and you leave. You don't really like the experience. You don't really do the experience. The experience of buying books and coming home and reading them and writing about them and making comics about them and talking about them. Okay. The entire comics experience is ruined by shitty covers. It's more ruined by shitty things that happen to their characters, like changing, you know, Spider-Man into a villain, uh, watering down the X-Men with a million different books that Anything I can't even that's follow. happening in any book with Superman in it right now. All right, so that that takes us a little bit into the relaunches of these companies. Ah, um, seamlessly, actually. <laughs> so, enjoy, well, listeners. Um, it doesn't happen that often. About two years ago. DC decided they were going to shake up their entire superhero universe and uh, redefine a lot of the characters' origins. What? You know that song, Shake It Up? Yeah. You don't know that song? Shake, shake, shake. Shake your universe. (laughs) Matt is unentertained, folks. I wish you could see the salty look on his face. You know why? Because neither one of those songs were ever covered by Iron Maiden. (laughs) It had more to do with being interrupted. Oh, there we go. We're just trying to add Just because I like image comics. (laughs) You guys got to interrupt with your Marvel and DC humor. We should have done the three comics and just ganged up on that the entire time. (laughs) Hey, image comics has the number one selling comic book in the land, fools. What book's up? Walking Dead. Oh. Number one TV series on all of cable as well. Pretty sure it's crushing Arrow. Just saying. Do you know Arrow? Have you watched that show? I've seen the previews. Ah, fair assessment. Seen the previews. I don't remember what I was saying. You were going into the relaunch of DC. They were shaking up the Mm. universe. Yeah, shake, shake, shake. Right up. Shake up. Is that the same song? Uh -uh. (laughs) Okay. Two different sweet jams. All right, so they uh, they came and they relaunched this entire universe and rewrote the history of most of the of the characters. And uh, two years later, they've held true to it. They haven't backtracked, which you know I think a lot of us thought maybe they would. And it seems like this really is going forward going to be what DC Comics is, and they've dubbed it the New Fifty Two because it was fifty two different titles. And for whatever reason, they're hell-bent on making sure that they always have 52 books in the pipeline. Uh, Marvel, being the innovative thinkers that they are, decided that, um, that what DC was doing was, was the wrong move, and they mocked it, and they thought it was ridiculous until they decided to come out with what's known as Marvel Now. Exclamation point. Until they were like, fuck, DC, DC took the market share a couple weeks. We need yeah, to do something. Yeah, so Marvel Now, which is an even worse name than the New 52. Can we also do naming? Marvel's naming structure is dog shit. <laughs> it, 
It makes DCs look brilliant, and DC sucks. The New 52, it could, just because it rhymes? Marvel Now doesn't even rhyme. How long can it be, New 52? I was looking That's at exactly a book it yesterday, and I was like, is this shit new? But, how, but even worse, how long can it be now? When will now be then? <laughs> right now! So, yeah, so Marvel Now, they said it's not really a relaunch. All it really was was a fucking renumbering. It was an excuse to renumber all their all their uh, series and shake up creative teams and then come out with a new number one. To me, that... And, and they were sure to say that this is not a relaunch while kind of downplaying... And maybe downplaying is a gentle way of putting kind of mocking DC's approach to relaunching the, uh, the universe the way that they did. Um, but... At the same time, I feel like Marvel kind of, this is going to sound harsh, but kind of cowardly uh, decided to shake things up. It was their way of kind of doing it without really committing to it. It was just doing it with numbers and creative teams, but you know they, they still put the little red bar on all their books to let you know that this is Marvel now, which I don't even know what that means. What are they trying to say? Seriously, what what is that supposed to represent? They also changed the the teaser image that they had. They released was a bunch of characters that you know just slightly changed, so you thought that the world had been altered in some way. Iron Man was in badass black and gold armor. Uh, Spider Man looked a little different. Cyclops was unrecognizable. So you thought that there maybe some kind of dimension shift or universe altering things happened. Nah, it just meant that Bendis is writing X-Men now. <laughs> now, obviously we're not huge fans of all this renumbering. I'm, you guys, you're not, you don't like renumbering. I, think it, I, I hate it. I think it would be so cool if the uncanny X-Men was still at number 500, whatever. If the amazing Spider-Man was in the 700s and so on. I think that would be totally awesome. and Detective Comics. Both had opportunities in the next few years to hit issue number 1,000. Yeah. They would be the only comic books to ever reach that milestone. Now, I'm sure DC is going to pull some bullshit where they go back once once that number is coming up where they do something and they're like, hey, look, this is the issue 1,000. For all you fans that have been keeping count. But you already fucked it up. You already took all those books back to one. So go fuck yourselves. Yeah, Marvel has a history of doing that where they will actually, they won't even try to do it on the slide by, you know, putting like number, you know, 600 in parentheses or whatever. They'll take the Amazing Spider-Man, relaunch it at number one, but when they're approaching that milestone issue, then they'll undo the, the numbering that they've started with. So they'll take that new numbering at whatever it is, number 35, but they've now... 35 issues later, gotten to number 600, so then they go, oh, this next issue is 600, and then they, like, start numbering after that, like 601, 602. I hate that. That drives me crazy. Throws your comic long box organization yeah, right? into disarray. And, and there's a part of me that likes at least that they're going back to the, to the real numbering instead of continuing with, like, volume two, but it's just... It's so obvious that it's just a ploy to sell more books. I have an idea, Marvel, if you're listening. 
If you actually want to sell more books, take Dan Slot, give him a pink slip. Yeah, somebody boy. That can actually write on Spider-Man and I don't know, maybe put Spider-Man in the in the book. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think you might sell I think you might sell a couple issues if you try that approach instead of making it Dr. Octopus. So, what do we think of the overall storylines in these new relaunches? I mean, yeah, we're not big fans of the names and the renumbering and all that bullshit, but have we been enjoying the, well, the stories that... Before that, we get into the stories, I would like to say about just the overall relaunches that I would give this point to DC because DC had the balls to break it down to the studs and rebuild everything back up. Now, and they've, they've kept with it... And Marvel just kind of dipped right. their toe in a little bit and, DC and kept was, everything going the same DC way that was it was. They kind of forced to do this because, you know, they, I mean, Marvel just outsells them month after month after month. So they, they had to be a little bit more drastic with their shakeup. Marvel, we talked about it last episode, Marvel likes to play it safe. They don't really like to, you know, go nuts with things. And they didn't with Marvel now. They were kind of like, well, we're just going to shuffle up creators and say everything's new and put the X-Men and Avengers and put some of the Avengers and the X-Men and we're just people are going to buy our shit anyway so just just go nuts so I would like to give DC an official point for uh for the relaunch for the relaunch I, I agree with that I'll, I'll give him the point Marvel now while it has had some good storylines um it was a timid relaunch they didn't really do anything all that drastic and they did copy you know, they get negative points for copying DC and, and, and making fun of them and then following suit sort well, of. They like, could have held their ground and just been like, you know what, DC, go ahead. We're the number one comic book business in, in the in the land. We're just in the tri-state stick. area. We're, we're just going to stick with it. At least in this dining room. Yeah, right. So, I, I think we're being a little bit hasty in, in awarding DC the, the relaunch award uh, because... I mean, yeah, they, they had the balls to do it, but a lot of their new character designs were not met with, uh, you know, approval all around. A lot of people don't like the direction on a lot of these new characters, whereas Marvel maybe, granted, was a little bit safer in a lot of respects by just shuffling creative teams and maybe changing a costume or two. But was Marvel able to kind of maintain the same consistency before the relaunch uh, after they did it. I think there were two points for me during the relaunch that I can't I can't come to grips with Marvel and why they did these things. They made me hate two characters that I formerly loved being my favorite, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. make, turning him into a villain, putting a villain's brain in him, and Cyclops, also something very similar, making him into a villain and a renegade in the Marvel Universe, which I don't think fits his personality, but somehow they conveniently changed that around to make him somebody really fucking wretched. But they did that with Iron Man back in the early 2000s or mid-2000s, whatever it was, with Civil War. And, I mean... He wasn't hateable in Civil War. He was hateable by the end of it. I mean, he basically got Captain America killed. And, uh... You know, that that Civil War was written so well until the end when when they just started... It was such a failure in that they could have truly split readership. Like, 
some people would have felt like one way and, and half the other readers would have felt another way as far as like who they sided with. But they wrote it in a way where it was very easy to take sides. You did not side with Tony Stark and the Superhero Registration Act. Well, so, you didn't, but maybe some other people did. They clearly, and I think define, they, they clearly defined Tony Stark as the villain. There were a lot of redeemable moments after Captain America's death. The confession is one where it really <clears throat> it really hits home that Tony feels like yeah. shit for the things that he did. I like, and he's not completely a villain. Like no, you're, he's you're not. Saying that. No, no, no. He's not a complete villain, but he did almost borderline villainous things leading up to that. He showed remorse and regret. But he still, it was almost like, I mean, like a, a layered kind of villain type character, like a Magneto or something. You know, he was doing what he was doing, regardless of, of how questionable his actions for a, a certain cause that he believed in. Um, and Marvel's pretty famous for not really utilizing its villains and pitting its heroes against one another, that's probably the start of its real downhill slide in ignoring the villains. What the hell have the villains been doing for the past eight years? They should be up to something really, really bad at this point because they've been getting ignored for a long time. Dark Reign was all about basically heroes being villains or villains kind of having some power, but it didn't really push it as far as I thought it should. And now with some of the new Marvel Now stuff with the X-Men being split in half and Cyclops not really being a character that you can really like and root for at all. I, I don't know what Mar why Marvel's doing things like that. Um, in regards to the relaunch of both of these books, there's nobody in at DC. Maybe I didn't like the collars that they designed for the outfits. Maybe I didn't like the direction that they pushed some of the, the characters. But I didn't flat out hate anything that they did. Civil War was really hard to read because they kept trying to make Iron Man the villain, but I I was I was on his side the entire time. You believed in the Registration Act? Yeah. The superheroes yeah. are fucking nuts. They need to yeah, register they were. And it, it seemed like an like Apple device. It was it seemed like they put him and Cap in the wrong roles. Like Cap should have been the one siding, you know, with the government and we need to do this and I'm Captain America and Tony should be the one like, no. hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, I don't want I government in all my shit. Yeah, exactly. But they had those roles reversed and it, it was just so confusing to me the entire time I was reading it. Yeah. And the villains, where are the villains? I'm tired. Of, that's one of the reasons I've, I don't, I side with DC because DC is pretty much always heroes and villains. Like you said, since Trinity Civil War, huh? Since Civil War, I said most of them. Since Civil War, it's Marvel's been hero, hero on hero action. You know, the, hero this entire on hero time. crime. So, um, what did you guys think of the um, like the the redesigns on the costumes and kind of the the fresh takes on these classic DC characters? Were, were you on board? Were you against it? Most of the redesigns sucked. Like, they came from the same couple people. Yeah. Everything looks the same. Yeah. Like, everyone's armor seems... Well, everyone has armor now. Everything seem, seems plated. Everyone has these thin little pinstripes that seem to connect all the pieces. Even Batman. But even but this, even though the suits all look the same, they all come from different places, and they're designed in different ways. Like, it's like putting them all in a team uniform, like how Marvel does with a lot of its characters. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe that's what they were going for. It doesn't make any sense in the world that these characters are actually inhabiting. But they were like, well, they're all in the Justice League. They should all have collars. But they all come from different places. You know, Green Lantern gets his suit from his ring. Batman made his himself. Aquaman's from an underwater race. They're not going to have matching uniforms. Right. Dumb. Fail. Scott Summers' outfit, the big X on his face. His whole thing going on right now is a giant fail. He's a mess. It's it's ruining an, another character that I really loved before all this mess went down. So that's that's my point on that. All right, so uh, who should be taking over at Marvel to kind of right the ship? Does Marvel, like, let's say you can take Brian Michael Bendis and say, you know what, go work at Image Comics for a while, and he's out of the picture. Who who can fix the debacle that is Marvel right now? That's a great question, but the first part of it is no one, because Marvel doesn't have a problem because they're selling so many books so they probably will never you, replace anybody. Do you realize what has to happen? Because I feel like the books aren't the reason why the sales are so high. Like the quality of the books. I feel like it is the uh, the people are committed to the movies. And they enjoy the movies. And that's the reason why they're buying the books. But do you think that anybody really goes into the comic store and says... I like this movie. I'm going to buy the book. No, but I feel like if those movies started to suck and people just kind of started hating on them, that would very negatively affect Marvel comic sales. Hasn't Marvel always, since we've been buying comic books, been in the lead for the most position? Part. For the most part. There was a brief time, probably in the late 90s, when yeah. they were going bankrupt, when yeah. they weren't really doing so well. Right. It would almost have to be a situation like that that pushed new ideas and created Marvel Now, put Joe Quesada as editor-in-chief to bring a new cast of creators on to the team. They were bankrupt. They needed to be bailed out by somebody with fresh ideas. I don't see that coming in the near future because, like you said, you know, there's movies that tie into this. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they can do no wrong right now. For That's some such reason, a scary position for people, us as fans. Yeah, because there, there are other fans that are that are eating up whatever they are served. They love it. That Marvel could give them a plate of shit, and, and it seems like the fans will happily eat every last morsel of shit with corn and other debris. Broccoli? Yes. That's gross. Marvelly shit that they're making us eat. So, I'm with Paul though. A lot of the redesigns on the new 52 didn't like. Um, I don't have a very strong base of knowledge about a lot of the character origins and backstories. So I was pretty comfortable with um, with kind of any kind of redo that they wanted to do in that regard. Like that was the first time I had ever read Swamp Thing by. Scott Snyder, and I loved it up until the very end. Um, it was uh, the first time I'd really ever read Jonah Hex in All-Star Western, and I loved that uh, until they brought him into like present-day Gotham, which just kind of turned me off, and now I quit that book. But for the first about two years of that book, I thought it was fantastic. And, um, I mean... Aquaman. Jeff Johns made Aquaman cool again. 
Uh, he was. It was he an was, enjoyable first arc. I'll, I'll give it that. I'm not going to be a complete hater on it. But yeah, I mean, he definitely took a character that I had no interest in and made me buy six books. Aquaman was the punchline to jokes. I mean, everybody thought Aquaman sucked. I mean, even on the Big Bang Theory, they're like, "Oh, Aquaman sucks. Nobody wants to be him." But Jeff Johns made him pretty fucking cool, just like he made Green Lantern really cool. I mean, before. Jeff Johns came along. When was the last time Green Lantern was cool? He was really... Lo- he was probably cool whenever he was, like, destroying the universe when he was paralyzed. Yeah, well, the, the Kyle Rayner stuff, I guess, in the late 90s was pretty popular. Um, I remember reading a little bit of that and liking it, but... The... Jeff Johns the Jeff- made the, the Legion of Superheroes cool for me. I read that Superman arc mm-hmm. and featured those guys, and they seem kind of... They seem real cheesy, real 50s-ish. But that's a credit to Jeff Johns, really, really hooking that up. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were there any were there any storylines that jumped out to you that you liked from the new Fifty Two relaunch? Yeah, it was Scott Snyder's um, Court of Owls, uh, in that was in Batman. Uh, it, it just it created a, a brand new uh, group of characters, group of villains. Um, it just added a, a brand new layer to uh, the Batman character that I feel is going to endure for years. And I think that's a pretty rare thing in comic books these days. I don't think that you get too too many opportunities anymore where uh, something new comes along that is going to last. Uh, a lot of it tends to be kind of a flash in the pan. I think we got some stuff like that in the 90s, like from Marvel, that, that kind of showed up and, and it's kind of stayed like certain villains and characters uh i keep thinking in my head um although i think he was the uh the 80s venom showed up and then shortly after that carnage which is still a cool character um but yeah out of the uh out of the new 52 definitely the 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 talons in the court of owls um i really enjoyed catwoman the first uh run on catwoman i thought was fantastic with uh pervy game march doing the artwork the awesome the awesome pervy game march now and this is like all bat related but nightwing written by um uh kyle higgins that first run with the haley him inheriting the haley circus uh, the, the circus that um, he used to perform for before his parents were killed, uh, the owner, whatever his name, Mr. Haley, died and basically left him the circus, and he had to deal with that and all its kind of like creepy secrets and everything. Uh, that was a really great storyline. So, yeah, I was really into a lot of the, the new stuff that they came up with, and I'm trying to think like what really kind of turned me off that I read. Um I, I liked um, all the more magic and uh, lesser-known heroes, yeah. like Animal Man, yeah. Swamp Things, as you referenced before, Justice League Dark, I, Vampire, um, and that... Oh, that's one I didn't like. You I didn't Vampire. like I, Vampire? That's yeah. okay. That's... I wanted to, though, because Paul would say how good it was and how incredible it was, and, and I read the first two, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I told him that, and he, he didn't understand how I could not get what was going on, and that made me feel stupid. So I kind of want to go back and reread it. I, I read the first arc all in a row on a Saturday night after it had been out for a <laughs> while, and I just blazed right through it. Maybe that's why it made more sense to me, because 
every reader experiences this. When you go from month to month, you read a lot of books. If you're like us, you go to the store every single Wednesday, you pick up your stuff, and you read it. Yeah. Sometimes you forget plot points. Sometimes it, you forget what where they are in the situation. It is so much better to read a series of issues, you know, for the same series in one sitting versus five different books in one sitting. Uh, it, it's just so much more rewarding to get that chunk of story. It's a story how it's meant to be delivered to you. All, you know, this yeah. arc all at one time so you can understand everything. Well, in a way, yeah, that's the, the modern current way of doing it. But I think when comic books were first created, they were much more serialized. It's why they came out the way that they did. But those stories aren't exactly told in that fashion anymore. They're, they're told more in the trade paperback way. They're meant to sell trade paperbacks eventually because that's the mass-produced... That's probably what they sell more of. Maybe. I think so. I don't know. that. I, maybe I'm totally misspeaking when I say that, but I sort of feel like that's true because they're you know in Barnes & Noble and Amazon and those are way more common than a comic book store. It's, it's an easy way for somebody to catch up. It's also a way that you don't feel... Like an outsider, you're already in the bookstore, you belong there, right? And then you can go and take a look at something that maybe you didn't, yeah. you know, want a, a world that you don't have access to other than, you know, climbing the steps to go to the comic book store and right. have some weird nerds look at you and question. Do you, I'm sorry I didn't interrupt. Oh, that's okay. But mm-hmm. you, so you said you like the magic characters. Yeah. Have you read Justice League Dark? Yes, yes. Do you currently read it? I currently read it. I'm not as into it as I was before. That was one of the books that... That was one of the books, one of the first launch books that I was really excited about. Because it's a bunch of characters that I didn't know a ton about. I knew Constantine, I knew of Zatanna, of Dead Man. But to see this team function together and take on some really horrific uh, events that you wouldn't think that the Justice League would be privy to taking on, or yeah. really couldn't, because they're magic-based. It was, it was exciting to, to get into that world, same as Animal Man, um, and how they... You, you mentioned how Batman brought new things to the table. Yeah. Animal Man, while it didn't, it didn't completely reinvent everything, it fleshed out some of the Grant Morrison ideas and changed them around. Mm-hmm. It added the Parliament of the Rot, the Parliament of the Trees, and the Parliament of the Red, yeah. and... and it also flipped the idea that Animal Man was this avatar of the Red. It's actually his daughter, and he is the protector of her until she comes of age and she can actually become the the avatar and 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 help out in the fashion that they intended her to. I think that's really cool. I think that that's a, a very unique take on it, and like you said, it's able to flip it on its, on its ear. What do you think, Paul? I think DC did a really good job with their second tier characters. Uh, the some of the big guns, particularly Superman, they really, really dropped the ball and screwed up a lot of stuff. Yeah, see that's. But when you look at the way that Marvel screwed up its big guns, don't you kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, "Well, at least, at least it could have been worse." No, no, actually, I wouldn't say that. I think what they did with Superman is substantially worse. In a in a from a certain point of view than what they're doing with Spider-Man. Because, let's face it, we all know Peter Parker at some point is coming back, probably going to coincide with the new Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie, which is coming out in, what, like, eight, nine months? Um, the, uh, 
the Superman that they've created in the New 52, that's it. This is who Superman is. He's not, um, you know, he doesn't have Lex Luthor's brain in him temporarily. This is our Superman, and that's what we're, we're forced to live with. But is he written so drastically bad that we can't accept it? I would rather... I would rather it be a Spider-Man situation where we know Peter Parker's coming back and you're going to get the real Spider-Man back at some point other than this weird Superman. Everyone writes him different. He doesn't have one unified voice. Every book you pick up, you get a different character. His costume is ridiculous. We keep thinking that we're going to fix Spider-Man, but they've been jacking Spider-Man up for years now. No, you're right. So I don't... I, I know you're saying, they'll change him back. Don't worry, Ian. I'm worried. They no, took no. his entire no, no, no. universe away, changed his entire history. I can promise you, I will eat Pinky my underwear. Swear? I'll eat my underwear. I don't want you to do that. I'll lick pinkies. But, but uh, Peter Parker's coming back. Now, what I can't promise you is the fact that it's going to be uh, pre or post brand new day. I mean, I can basically guarantee it's going to be post brand new day. Unfortunately, that is who Spider-Man is. I was thinking about it today. How many years has it been since Brand New Day happened? That happened in 2008. Okay, so that's... Uh, we're almost in 2014, so... 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We don't do so, that here. Whatever, it's been like five years. There, It is, it is approaching a, a whole... I don't want to say generation, but there is a whole group of young people that have come in to... Uh, you know, Spider-Man history that only knows Spider-Man as one way now. And it has gone on entirely too long. Almost, like, I'm almost worried that it has been too long to change back. And it's that weird throwback, sort of 60s-ish Peter Parker that they were going with for a long time. Yeah, the swinging single. Ugh, I hate it. Swinging, like, that's kind of... I like him singing words, but I don't like... 60s single. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, he was married to Mary Jane. If you didn't want him married, write it, like, in a, in a clever way to either have him get divorced or kill her off. I mean, if she was that horrible a character, why even keep her around so he can date her? Like, why would you DC undo his marriage to her so they can date? DC that's seems to be counterproductive. This, <laughs> the stuff shirt company that's like, we can't have one of our characters getting divorced. That's that's ridiculous. Don't they have the no marriage law right now or something? Marvel seems to be like the cool kids. They're like, we'll do what we want. We'll have Peter Parker do whatever. Go ahead, stick it in there. But then you get to that point where they're like, all right, we need to break this marriage up. Oh my god, we can't. We can't have divorce. We you know we can't advocate divorce. Of fucking course you can. Then kill her off. Kill her off. Joe Casada hates her anyway. You could have made another classic. Uh, tragic story with Spider-Man by killing Mary Jane in the same way that they killed Gwen Stacy 30 years before. That would have been way more acceptable to the fans. Absolutely fandom. it would have been. It would People would have freaked inc- out, but they wouldn't feel like they got fucked in the way that I currently feel about deal with the devil to keep yeah. Aunt May alive after she got shot by a Assassin. Number one, so stupid. Kill Aunt May. She is a she worthless character. She should have died right then and there. I love the character one. that she was and what she served at the time, but now she is meaningless to Spider-Man. All of those one more day issues were, were so hard to read, but that's that's before current Marvel now Spider-Man, which is our focus. 
True, but I'm just saying that on that downward spiral is where we have arrived in Marvel now with a Spider-Man book that I can't read at all because it started yeah. up here and continued through. So to, Marvel now he's now a villain. Kicked off with Doc Ock as Spider-Man, correct? Yes, with uh, the Superior Spider-Man. So, in our opinion, Spider-Man's a shit show right now. Yeah. Superman has been a shit show since New 52 kicked off. I know they're ultimately analogs for each other's number one, for each other's company's number one hero. Well, Batman is DC's number one. Right. But you look at, you know, like, Spider-Man's also truth justice you know? Spider-Man's not the Dark Knight. He's he's your friendly neighbor. Right, right, right. Yeah. So... Crazy psychopath. What other Marvel characters are totally screwed up right now? Well, Cyclops, as we indicated before. Uh, I I don't know what's going on with the Hulk, except that he wears armor, and I can't think of a character in the Marvel Universe that needs armor less than the Hulk. Kind of like Superman wearing armor. Yeah. And granted, Mark Waid's supposed to be killing it with the Incredible Hulk, he's killing it with Daredevil, but yet, I'm sorry, like, I had no interest in reading the relaunch of the Incredible Hulk, or the Indestructible Hulk. Now, is he indestructible because he has that armor, or was he already indestructible and the armor is a fashion statement? Fashion statement, that's my official verdict. He also is unreadable, because I don't really like the Hulk all that much, so... Really? Armor, no armor, gray gangster in Las Vegas, super smart Hulk, I don't really give the a Hulk's shit. The Hulk's one of those wow. characters that I don't think needs their own book. I think he's a very serviceable supporting character. Uh, I don't think the Hulk needs his own book, because, like, it's gonna be about... If he's gonna have his own book, it's gonna be about Bruce Banner. The Hulk should be just a fucking rage monster. You shouldn't be able to carry stories with the Hulk. He should come, shit needs busted up, and then he's done. I've never understood how a a Hulk book has any legs unless the focus is kind of like the the old TV show where it's all about Bruce Banner. There was a John Romita Jr. arc. I I can't think of it off the top of my head. Somewhere in the early 2000s, that was probably the best Hulk story that I ever read, and the fact that I can't remember who the actual writer was of it kind of speaks volumes. But that's just my personal preference. I don't like the Hulk. That's that's Peter, just me. Peter David wrote a uh, a legendary run on on the Incredible Hulk. I, I I think it went like ten years or something. I mean, he was the the Hulk guy for, for years and years that a lot of fans really hold that in high regard. Never read it. That was before you got into comics. I read Ground Zero only because I like Todd McFarlane's art. I can't say if I really enjoyed the book or not, but I remember reading that. I still own that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, I'm trying to th- think of some other... You know, they did. They messed up Cyclops, they messed up Spider-Man really bad. In the DC Universe, is there anybody besides... You, you guys have the opinion that Superman is kind of ruined, or well, currently messed up. Is there anybody scary. else that's like that? Um, well, Green Lantern is an interesting <gasps> character in the, in the fact that he's written so differently in Justice League by Jeff Johns 
which is really strange because he also writes him in Green Lantern proper. But his character in in Justice League, and granted this is by design, but I don't understand why, was so fucking unlikable and annoying. Yeah, he was. And and frankly, out so that's of character. Cool. That's cool to say that. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> and. Uh, the only thing, the only way that I can rationalize it is that the storyline in Justice League before Green Lantern pretty much jumped ship and like took himself out of the team was what was that like five years prior to all the events? Right. The yeah. What's up with that? Why? Why did they go with that? It seems confusing to do the five I years. I think it was and... their way of uh, kind of introducing all of the characters at one time. All the main guys, you know, the Justice League characters. Yeah, I hate that. I, yeah, I'm not. They wanted, they wanted the Justice League to be the the Big Bang of the DC superhero yeah. universe instead of the Justice Society, yeah. which which felt a lot more organic and it was a lot more interesting. It was interesting to think that when Superman came around, he already had superheroes that he may have looked up to or or learned from. Yeah, and I agree. he became the number one hero. It, it was a much richer tapestry. Exactly. It, this way is just forced, and it, it just... I can see why they did it, but... And Cyborg is on the team. Fuck Cyborg. Fuck him. Who would you prefer to have on the team? Martian Manhunter? Martian Manhunter. Hot Girl... Martian Manhunter is currently on... Justice League America. Is it... Okay. What, I thought he was on the planetary team. They canceled that book. They, they had to repurpose him. Yeah. Okay. So now he's on Justice League of America. Because I liked planetary when it first started. I thought that that was... Was it planetary or was it Stormwatch? It was Stormwatch. Stormwatch, I'm sorry. And it, it had like a um, little bit of a Justice League kind of thing going on, but it was a little bit more covert and kind of... It was of like a Who Watches sci-fi. the Watchmen. They weren't they like the yeah kind of the Justice League yeah yeah the, the Green Lantern thing when when the New Fifty Two kicked off that was, that Green Lantern and Batman didn't get touched everyone else got rebooted but the Batman and Green Lantern stories were selling really well so they kept their they kept their path going yeah but the Hal Jordan Jeff Johns was writing in Justice League was a douchebag yeah and I understand he Jeff this was. Jeff John's way of saying, well, this was a long time ago. This is when he was new. He was really mm-hmm. arrogant. And now he's a lot more mature. Doesn't but that make sense? It does. But the the difference was so strong that, like, Matt and I couldn't justify this being the character that we're reading in the present time, mm-hmm. Green Lantern. They were so diametrically different. That I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get around it every time it, Hal said something ridiculous in yeah. a Justice League book. It pulled me right out. It was very different, but at the same time, it created a great dynamic between him and Batman, and, and particularly him and Flash. There was like this really good kind of like good cop, bad cop kind of relationship between him and Flash, which I really liked. Speaking of Flash, Paul, you read that. I love the Flash. How is the Flash different than it was when they first started it? Or um, than than it was before the new Fifty Two. It's a it's a whole new guy going back to the old guy. Flash used to be Barry Allen, and Barry Allen died in the eighties, and he was dead for a long time. His nephew 
picked up uh, the mantle, the flash. It was Wally West. And it was Wally West for years. Wally West was in the Justice League cartoon. Any, any animated series the Flash made an appearance in, it was Wally West. It was Wally West in the comic. Um, Jeff Johns' big popular run on The Flash was Wally West. And then they decided, we're going to... Jeff Johns had success bringing Hal Jordan back. Because Hal Jordan wasn't Green Lantern for a while. It was Kyle Rayner. They brought Hal back. And they got, got it in their heads, we're going to kind of reboot the Silver Age characters. Mm-hmm. So that meant bringing Barry back. So then they bring Barry back. But now you have, like, three Flashes. You have Wally, Barry, and you have Kid Flash. Plus you have old school Golden Age. Is that age, Impulse? Jay, yeah. Old school Golden Age Jay Garrick. So you essentially have four Flashes. So when they rebooted, they were like, well, we don't need Jay Garrick. He can be on another Earth. And they just got rid of Wally. They just disappeared him. No one knows. There was no explanation for it. He just doesn't exist anymore. Those mid-range like characters seem to have suffered a real bad fate. Those '90s-ish characters like Tim Drake and Wally West have all gotten a print. Or is um, Kyle Rayner still around? Yeah. Or does the most of all the the majority of the Green Lantern mythology didn't get touched until now? Now they're screwing with some stuff. Jeff Johns Uh-oh. left the book. New creative team came on. Three issues in, I'm like, all right. There, it's it was a seamless transition. Everything's going smooth, and now all of a sudden they're like, you know what? We're gonna change this whole mythology around. Everything Jeff Johns set up for nine years on the book, we're just gonna turn it on its head and make it all different. And now it's really hard to read because that's in the background of everything. What do you mean? What's so different about it? Jeff Johns set up that so long as there are sentient beings in the universe the green lanterns the star sapphires all the color cores are able to pull the emotion from the emotional spectrum that just floats out in the world so long as sentient beings are giving off these emotions and these feelings there's an infinite amount of energy to use to power all the power rings well now the new guys are like no this energy is finite there's a reservoir. It can end. You can run out. So, and, and and that makes no sense. So, like, at some point, the... People are just going to run out of, like, willpower not, yeah, or, people or are fear. People are going to run out of love, run out of rage. What are we saying? Where is the and love? And it's, so contra- it's so contradictory, and I, I want to ignore it and just pretend it's not part of the books right now. But it's the main story. It's the big thing. And I don't know how... I don't know how editorial let this happen. I don't know. Maybe Green Lantern's in for a rough patch. It kind of feels like it. So, uh... I was thinking recently that... That pizza's here. Yeah, that could be uh, delicious. We'll be back in a bit.
joining us for hour two of episode 32. For the second hour, we're going to talk media. But before we do that, pizza count. Ian. Four delicious pizza, pieces of pizza. You had four pizzas? Oh my god. Four pizzas. <laughs> I, I had four pieces also. Wow. I had a meager three. Mm. You were wrapped up in dealing with uh, the ordering snafu that mm. we had. I was I was coming down from my rage. rage. I, now, didn't, I didn't like you when you were angry, just for the record. I was going to kill somebody. Now we're back. I feel good. My, uh, you know, full tummies, full hearts. Ready to continue the big debate. And I don't think it's any secret who's winning the movie war. Would either of you disagree? I don't think it's a secret. Who do you think it is? That red company. That red company. Yes. Matt? I think it's debatable. Ooh. Oh, bring that heat, son. Matt, why don't you tell us why you think it's debatable? Because I don't think it's a contest at this point. I think DC may have got a couple shots across their bow, but Marvel's just uh, a burgeoning ocean liner. Unstoppable. The Titanic? Certainly Marvel. Well, that would be a very stoppable (laughs) example. All you gotta do is throw an iceberg at it, right? But they were very arrogant about the Titanic, and that seems to be our Marvel theme. Arrogance. You're going to fucking spill that all over yourself. Matt, why do you think that it is not a boat race, if you will, in the movies and TV? Well, okay, first of all, movies and TV, two totally different things. Um, Okay. I feel like, you know, we'll compare... Let's compare movies to movies and then shows to shows and see where that gets us. But there's no question that Marvel wins hands down in quantity, but I am not convinced that they win hands down in quality, because I feel like for every decent Marvel movie, there's at least one shit Marvel movie. Um, I mean, if you want to name me a, a good Marvel movie, I'll name a shit one. Avengers. Daredevil. Blade. Fantastic Four. Yeah, Blade (laughs) 3. Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, no. (laughs) That guy set you up for that one. Well, I agree that there have been some stinkers that Marvel put out there. However, I would rather have the movies that did make it to the silver screen than sit there in my bed at night wondering, what would it be like to see Barry Allen run across the screen or... Have Wonder Woman jump out of an invisible plane? I guess I'll never know because my company is too gutless to put anything out there. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. It's just taking way too long and it took Marvel having success for DC, for Warner Brothers to realize, oh, well, I guess we're going to have to do this. When we give points for DC for being bold with their relaunch, do we not give the same points to Marvel for being bold with... The idea of its cinematic universe and having the balls to put out its characters and, and bring them to the screen. Absolutely. They definitely deserve props for that. <clears throat> but you still think it's not a 
It's not an RE1 race. No, I don't. Because, I, like I said, I feel like quantity, yes. Marvel has more movies. Marvel has more good movies. But if you're comparing almost percentage-wise the good movies that DC has versus the good movies that Marvel has, I feel like it's a hell of a lot closer and we're, than we're giving it credit to be. There's three characters that they've made movies for in the DC universe. Okay. Marvel has expanded all throughout its line of characters. <laughs> and they failed many times. They failed many times, but they, they made quality movies with all of its iconic characters. Or the majority of them. They missed with Fantastic Four, I'll say. But they delivered multiple great X-Men movies. They gave you a Spider-Man that is completely believable. Uh As well as a team of Avengers with movies to interconnect. And and made some characters that you might not have liked, like Thor, into somebody that you now follow. And people, you know, high schoolers and junior high students are excited about the dark world. So I think that Marvel hit a home run with that sure ghost rider suck punisher disappointing daredevil crappy but other than that marvel studios did a great job i i can't disagree with what you're saying as far as uh these movies having a uh huge cultural effect and and people now know who the characters are however i would argue that some of the movies aren't quite as great as people seem to think they are um i really like a lot of these movies do i love any of them no i don't i love spider-man one and two but i did not well maybe i love the avengers but maybe not it wasn't as good as phantom menace we know uh no matt said attack of the clones was a better film than the avengers fair i could not stand by that more firmly than ever but this is not that part of this the podcast. This is not that podcast. This is the Marvel vs. DC podcast. What, here's what I will say. I feel like the Marvel Studio movies, as successful as they have been, have also kind of gotten stale for me, especially after seeing Thor 2 this weekend. I am... I don't think I'm outgrowing superhero movies but I kind of feel like I'm outgrowing the same formulaic superhero movies that Marvel Studios is giving us. I am bored of having underdeveloped villains and having no real sense of tension or having movies kind of... Yes, the individual movies kind of built toward the Avengers, but I don't feel like they built upon themselves. I feel like each one of the movies... Thor 1, Thor 2, um, Iron Man 1, 2, and 3 were all very self-contained stories. What I want to see, where is the Empire Strikes Back of the Iron Man saga? Um, where, where, we know that they're going to make sequel That's after sequel. asking a lot. What, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm asking for is where, we know that they're going to make a sequel upon a sequel upon a sequel. Like, we know that they're going to keep making more, especially now that they've had this insane success at the box office. But why have we not had a cliffhanger ending? Like, a legit cliffhanger ending. A dark ending that you're like, oh my god, what's going to happen in the third movie? Why has that not happened? How many of that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want a, a perfect little... Fun little self-contained movie that's wrapped up in a neat little bow. We had the same 
talk about um, Star Trek Two, where Star Trek Two was a was a bit of a miss. Yeah, it was good. It was entertaining. But was it as good as it should have been? No, it wasn't. And that's because they, I think, played it safe. I think they're afraid to kind of go where maybe... No man has gone before. Where maybe The Empire Strikes Back went, where they allow the heroes to... The movie to finish, where the heroes are in, like, absolute peril. We don't know what's going to happen. They did kill Jean Grey in the second X-Men movie. I I will give you that. Although, holy shit, did they fail on oh, following that? <laughs> <laughs> but there, there that third a- that third X Men movie almost washes out the first two X Men movies. It was so bad. It was pretty bad, and I think the two Wolverine movies. I liked Wolverine. I mean, I liked them both. I didn't hate them, but they were they had parts in them, both of them, especially the first one, the Origins X Men Origins Wolverine that. There were a lot of misses in it, I think. Uh, you know, they, they almost had it where they introduced all these new villains. They introduced Deadpool, one of the more underrated uh, Marvel characters. Right, Paul? Yeah. And then they take him at the end and they, they remove his mouth and they turn him into whatever that was. Um, and it, it was like half good. Now you're talking about these these disappointments and where is the... Empire Strikes Back of comic book movies. Let's talk about DC's cinematic universe. Let's talk about where they got it right and where they got it wrong. Well, DC's been getting it right since 1978 with Superman. Um, That's pretty good. And then they did it again with Superman 2. That's debatable. And then they did it again. There there are some things that are wrong with Superman 2. If we're going to do... That kind of nitpicky stuff with the Iron Man universe. Well, well, that's not nitpicky. Superman is that not, is a broad stroke. That is not nitpicky. Superman two was far from perfect. No, no, movie. no. You're saying the way I criticized Iron Man, I, I wasn't nitpicking. I feel like I was very broadly criticizing. Okay, broadly criticizing. Then we will broadly criticize the Superman movies three and four. Three and four substandard. Turds. Two not as good as everybody thinks it is. I was gonna say turds. I was going to use that word. Yeah. <clears throat> Two's not as good as everyone th- thinks it is? Nope. First 20 minutes of Superman 4, you can put that up against any other superhero movie. You're a lunatic. Brilliant. It is. You, want, you watched it with me. Ten years ago, I was a different man. That first 20 minutes before they get into all the madness. I don't think I agreed with you on that either. I don't think we had that conversation at all. It's. It feels like it's the last bit of... Good Superman. It goes it goes back to the great stuff we got from Christopher Reeve in the first two movies. It directly ties back to those first two movies. Totally skips over the third turd. The third turd. The, the, the beginning <laughs> of Superman four. Great stuff. The real question is why can't we get a good third movie? Spider Man three, Superman three, X three, X three, Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity know. was okay. I like Blade uh, Trinity. Dark Knight Rises. I, I, re- I rewatched Blade Three, and I I think it's awful. I don't think it's awful. I don't think, I don't it's, think awful. it's as good as the first two. It's definitely not as good as the first two. First two are pretty awesome, and it's worse than Spider Man Three. 
Spider-Man I, would, I would not say that. <laughs> Spider-Man uh, 3 is pretty bad. Yeah. But anyway, I think Sp- or Superman 2 really is, is good. It has a lot of kind of silliness, which... I, the kiss of forgetfulness. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the, it is reflected in the silver agedness of the character. Um, but but what it, what that's it, what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, it has a lot of things that are kind of absurd, kind of woven throughout. But what it does have really good soundtrack. Sure, I'll give John you that. Williams. It also has uh, very strong villains, like. Probably, I would challenge you to show me a better comic book villain than Zod and Superman. Too. The Joker. Either one. Pick pick one. Better than Zod. Okay. All right. Name me a Marvel villain better than Zod. Magneto. You think Magneto is pick, better? Pick than one. Zod? Either first class or no way. You can disagree, but then you would be wrong. I wish he wasn't so fucking old. I wish it like Ian McKellen, great actor, but he's so fucking old in those movies. That's why they're making him young and Patrick sexy. Stewart, Patrick Stewart doesn't even look like he's a thousand. Ian McKellen looks like he's going to die at any second. That's usually what people look like when they're about to die at any second. Mm-hmm. When they've been acting since the forties or whatever the fuck. I would put I would put Loki on that great villain for Marvel list. Which was surprising that you said that there weren't any compelling villains. I didn't see Thor the Dark World, but I would imagine that Loki brought some some charisma and something. Some to spot. I'm not going to spoil the movie, but I will say Loki was my favorite part of Thor 2. But he is not the villain of Thor 2. And wasn't Loki... I mean, Loki was the villain of Avengers. Yeah, he's the villain of Avengers. He was, which I felt was a weak selection for the Avengers. Because he was taken out, like, by Thor, by himself. Now all of a sudden we need Earth's Mightiest Heroes to take down the character that Thor dealt with. But he had had the the alien armory in the Tesseract. So he had had reinforcements. It wasn't really just like... I know. It wasn't just him. But you, but you, ignore, <laughs> you know, you know that, but you ignored it. He, he wasn't. He's not a. I feel a compelling enough villain to go up against the Avengers and just this, like, oh well, he's not powerful enough. So let's just give him this CGI army that has no identity but you like CGI. There's nothing wrong with that, Matt. It has no identity whatsoever. We just need something to go up again. Okay, uh, we have the Hulk, so we need something really, really big. Okay, let's just create this really big, like, wormy flying thing that the Hulk has to fight. I feel like you're, you're using some of the things that you always fight for with CG against your own argument here. Such as? Why Why is it a problem that they have an alien creature that we've never seen before, some a new thing brought to the screen? Why is that a problem to fight the Hulk? It's not a problem to have a new thing fight the Hulk, but there's, there's nothing to it. It's just, well, we don't have a villain to fight the Hulk, so let's just create this insect alien thing. But they were fighting an insect alien army. Uh, again... 
faceless, identityless. They were not compelling villains. I don't care what you tell me. They were not compelling. They showed up at the end to fight. That was that was, that was it. That was what they were there for. I realized they, they but, were there to have the Avengers fight something, but I don't find that compelling. Fair. Here's where here's where DC and DC Entertainment gained some ground on Marvel. They have a lot of lesser known movies that did pretty well, that no one knows that's what they are. We can't count them if we can't count the Vertigo stuff. Weren't we already counting Vertigo stuff before? You said you, Swamp Thing, and we said, okay. You you made a... You usually don't allow that in these conversations. Right. And Swamp Thing is brought in as a DC proper, which is what which is how he slipped in to the conversation last time. That's fair. What were you getting at? Um, the DC's big superhero film stuff. But they have a lot of under-the-radar under movies that are really Like what? Well, they don't. Vertigo does. But we, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to what talk they, about DC What were they going to be? They were going to be B for Vendetta, Constantine, The Losers, Red. Was The Losers... Did you guys see The Losers? I didn't. I didn't either. Pretty good. Yeah. Huh. I saw Red. I enjoyed Red. I've never read Red. The but. History of Violence. I'm going to choose not to mention The Spirit. The Spirit didn't start off as a DC property, so we can throw that out. Yeah. A crappy German Hex movie. Jesus. They have, you know, they've had, they've had more stuff out there that was pretty solid than just, you know, the big superhero movies that usually seem to let let us down. I enjoyed the Watchmen movie, except for the ending, which was completely fucking different than the book in... Cuts the legs out of that story entirely. I like Constantine. Maybe it's because I, like I don't Constantine really like too. the comic version of Constantine all that much. Um, Do you like the current comic version of Constantine? I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay love with it. it. Yeah, I think he's pretty cool, too. I love it. Um, I would consider Man of Steel a success. The Christopher Nolan three Batmans, Man of Steel. I think DC's... Really made up a little bit of ground, but uh, Marvel still, still works out with the big plan. And even if they don't have a cliffhanger or they're not giving you compelling villains, they're formulaic. They they all follow the exact. There's still formula. doesn't every movie follow the exact same formula? Three act play. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They follow that formula, but how was Man of these... Steel's like big throwdown CG city mashing? Any less formulaic than the Avengers? Uh, I well, I feel like. How was Zod a compelling villain in that? He fucking stunk. I don't, Man of Steel. I, don't oh, I would not say that. I think that that's being incredibly well, unfair. I don't. Think I would say that that's my opinion. And you would say that your opinion is your opinion. I don't think it's so much that the movies are formulaic in the way they're told and laid out. I think where they're becoming formulaic is in their tone. Everything feels the same. Everything has, you know, the same kind of jokey, action-y quality. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. But beyond that, they they never give you a sense of peril. You, you are never concerned for really any of the heroes ever at any point. A couple were you moments concerned about where I was kind of like, oh, shit. Really? Yeah. 
I wasn't. Were you concerned about Superman? Were you concerned about Green Lantern fighting a smoke monster? Ship cloud. Were we concerned about Batman in the the third and final Christopher yes. Nolan movie? Yeah, because even when of... he was flying a a nuke around Gotham City. Yes, because I wasn't. a lot of pe- no, because a lot of people weren't even sure. Are they going to kill Batman off in this? Is that how they're going to end it? I wasn't sure. I thought that's probably what they were going to do. That's actually. essentially how they did end it. I mean, but they didn't kill Bruce him. Wayne may not have died, but that Batman died. He's not Batman anymore. Right. And since it was in, it, it was Christopher Nolan's villain, it was his opus, these three movies, he was done at the end of that. He could have done, he could have did whatever he wanted. So I think even though I didn't feel it like Matt did, at the end of Dark Knight Rises, you're kind of like, Maybe Chris Nolan will kill Bruce Wayne in this. I was... I can remember... I wasn't worried. I was the either. first two movies. Right. I wasn't either, but you knew this was the fin- finale, so you weren't exactly sure what they were going to do. I thought maybe because those movies maybe had a little more of an artistic bent to them. They they were a little more steeped in, like, the Academy Award kind of world, you know, with, like, Heath Ledger win for Best Supporting Actor. I just wasn't sure what they were capable of. And I thought maybe this is where they were going to go. So much is that I can remember trying to find spoilers online. To oh, see. did you do that to yourself? Not ordinarily, but I was like, I don't want to watch a fucking Batman movie where they kill him off. I would have been pissed off. Would you have, and if you found a spoiler that they do kill him, would you have boycotted the theater? No, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was really excited for that Batman movie. That was the most excited I had been for a movie probably since... Maybe Star Wars, the final Star Wars movie. I mean, like, there was a lot of build-up to that movie. Um, I wish I enjoyed Dark Knight Rises more than I did. I liked it more the second viewing through. And I started watching it this past <clears throat> weekend. And I was I was enjoying it. I didn't end up finishing it, but it was... It has, it has its moments. When you know that Batman's not going to be on the screen for a big, yeah. healthy chunk of time, yeah. then you really take in the times when he is on screen. What's your guys' opinion of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character? Crap. I sure wish his name was Tim Drake. I sure wish he was anyone but a made-up Christopher Nolan character. I sure wish the movie wasn't about him. Let's say his name was Dick Grayson. How would you have felt about him? Much better. I agree. I I still would have felt cheated that it, it still would have been the Dick Grayson story and not a movie about Batman. But I would have felt better if it was an actual DC character. Yeah, I, the, I think I've watched the movie three times now, something like that. Maybe four times. And I like that character less every time I see the movie. Where he almost just irritates me seeing him. And just kind of his delivery. He's kind of a punk. Don't you think he's kind of a punk ass? I don't mind the performance all that much. I, I think it's. I think it is the choice to... Be so stubborn as to say, we're going to use my creation. When there's a host of characters that that person could have been. We yeah. could have picked and choose from anything in the DC Universe, but I decided to make something completely up. But they, that, but then that's, they, that's that Marvel arrogance that we were talking about, folks. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. I think that those three Batman movies are three of like the best superhero movies ever made. Even though 
it's so not the way I want them to make Batman in the movies. It's kind of weird. Like, I think they're so incredibly well made that 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 transcends kind of like what my expectations for Batman on the screen are. They're not superhero movies. Um... In the pure sense of the word. They're not Marvel superhero movies. Well, they're not superhero movies. They're Law and Order with a guy in a cape and cowl. I think that's a slight stretch. And Christopher Nolan, you've said it yourself that you wanted more super stuff. I don't know what movies. you guys want out of Batman. Maybe Batman and Robin, or Batman and Superman will shine a light on what you guys want, but I, I have no idea how... How you would make a Batman movie that would satisfy what you two are speaking to. Um, you translate the animated series to film. Done. Got you there. I, I guess, if, if that's what you want. That's not what you want. I was happy with the Chris, Christopher Nolan stuff. Yeah, I was too. But if, if in an ideal world, if I get my pick of whatever the hell I want, yeah, I'd probably take... Or... Um, more literal translation from the comic books like make the Court of Owls into a fucking movie holy shit that, could you imagine how scary the fucking owls would be that would be a pretty good movie I don't think they'll ever go that route with a who movie who knows but they went they're already going Winter Soldier with Cap 2 which kinda I feel like that one might break the mold a little bit compared to a lot it looks of looks pretty dark but the thing that you have to keep in mind is Iron Man 3 looked real dark in the trailer. It looked like shit was going bad. It looked like they might kill Iron Man in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the theater, and it's all banana peels and cream pies. (laughs) And you're like, wow, this isn't isn't anything that I was promised. This is, you know, the fucking villain isn't even really the villain in this movie. An underdeveloped villain in a Marvel movie. It happens. I'm not saying that it doesn't. And here's the thing. He was so close to being... An incredibly well-realized, original, scary fucking villain, and then they're like, they diarrhea all over it. But doesn't that kind of go against what you're saying? That was completely not the formula. That changed it all up, and you don't like that either. I heard a rumor no, this week that no, that's not. Ben Kingsley may be coming back and yeah, you know, as a later, in a later date to reprise the Mandarin, kind of flip it around again. Like, the whole time, he was the creepy guy that everybody wanted. Because fan reaction was so poor. Too little, too late. Mm-hmm. So we're, I will say, on the movie front, I give it to Marvel, hands down. I sure like those Batman movies, but you can't win a war with one fucking character. Sorry. I give it to Marvel, too. Marvel's put out more, more quantity, so they're naturally going to have more stinkers. But the good stuff from Marvel is... It's it's good, and at worst, it's passable. But you know, like DC, just I think part of the problem with DC is they they can't get anything into theaters. Why so is it that their production is so clogged up? What, what is standing in their way? Too many cooks in the kitchen because they have to go through Warner Brothers and now DC Entertainment. There's too many people trying to guide what they're doing. Marvel Marvel has their own studios now. Marvel does whatever they want. Because they don't have to go through any kind of Hollywood bureaucracy. They, they also laid that groundwork with the stuff that they did with, you know, like it or not, the Fantastic Four movies that were commercially successful. The X-Men movies, which were good. Mm-hmm. Daredevil made money. They put Ghost Rider out there before Marvel Studios was really Marvel Studios. 
the three Spider-Man movies. They did all that work and put that those characters on screen, and that allowed them to have the freedom to do whatever the fuck they wanted. So, Matt, I feel like you have a verdict. The Marvel's movies are making tons of bank. They make so much. I think they're, they're good. So popular. I think they're good too. Over. I think they're good movies too. I think they're good movies too. I don't think they're great movies. I, I would argue that the Avengers is probably great. Um, if we had to pick a favorite comic book movie of all time, The Dark Knight, I fucking love that movie. You know, it's funny because mine is Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man 1? Yeah, probably. I think I go Dark Knight, Spider Man 2, maybe X Men 2. X Men 2. Maybe so Avengers in there somewhere. Yeah. But that Dark Knight trilogy is so good. I really like the three of the, um, what, five super, or no, I like four of the six Superman movies made. I think Superman Returns is so much better than it gets credit for. That movie gets shit on so fucking hard. We're going to have to have a Superman Returns night and really put a uh, discerning eyeball on it. But how do you feel about... Theatrical releases, Marvel or DC? Um, you know, it's really hard for me because I probably personally like hold the um, a lot of the DC movies in higher regard than than like Marvel. Like, if I had to pick my top five favorite comic book movies, I would probably pick Spider Man one and two. And then probably like three, four, four of the Superman and Batman eighty nine. Right. I'd probably pick Batman eighty nine and then three Batman movies. So then like DC takes it for me. But I guess after that you only have like a couple of Supermans. But then on the flip side you have like X Men one and two. You got the Avengers uh, and a lot of the Marvel Studio movies. I like them, and I think I'm giving the wrong impression that I don't like them. I just think they're overrated. Um, Iron Man 1 shouldn't be discounted because of the same formula in Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3. Iron Man 1 is a really good movie. Yeah, it is. I agree. Okay. Um, and I think it kind of did have a pretty good villain in that one. Um, 2 was a bit of a rehash with kind of the same idea for a villain. Uh, Whiplash was cool. But he was completely underutilized, which seems to happen often. Um, and uh, three, who was the villain again? Uh, the guy from Memento. Yeah, right, Guy Pierce. Who he was? He was kind of an underdeveloped. He was Lava Man in that one. Um. So I am going to give it to Marvel in the movie department, but I, I what I wanted to point out was it's a hell of a lot closer than I think people seem to to give it credit for because I mean they have so many great characters and so many of those movies were were not good. But you did a sterling defense of DC's honor. Yeah, um, the slut that it is. However, however. There are other aspects to these um, to these properties in media. We have uh, animated shows and we have live action shows. Animated shows is a boat race. DC 
DC wins with just Batman the Animated Series. Take out every other thing that they did, which was awesome. Yes, I agree. Batman the Animated Series is... Am I just playing Devil's Advocate tonight? Yes, you are. (laughs) But the X-Men show, there are a lot of people that would say, fuck you, that X-Men show was like... So good, and that's like what got them into the X Men. I know a lot of X Men readers that would say the X Men cartoon was better than Batman. I think it did a good job of introducing readers into that universe. I don't think that it could even compete with the quality of art, the the construction of the character design was so much stronger on any of the incarnations of Batman, Superman, Justice League. Just the storytelling, the animated series changed things irrevocably in the comics. The X-Men show was a lot of the comic book story. And and it was an introduction, and I talked to a lot of people that don't even know comic books, don't read comic books, but can tell me some things about the Phoenix Saga, or can tell me about the Sentinels. Yeah. Based on that that cartoon. Yeah, like, I feel like there are certain people that only read X-Men after they watched that show. Batman the Animated Series revolutionized... Batman. X-Men the series didn't do that for X-Men. Both good shows. Both held their ground when they were on. If you put them one to one, Batman still kicks its ass. Do you feel like the Batman show got people into comic books, really? Got me into comic books. Okay, well that's that's a pretty strong statement. I feel like the X-Men show probably got more people actually buying comic books than the Batman show. I, I mean, there's no way to quantify that. It's just my kind of my feeling. My I think on. I think it did too, and I'm not I'm not saying the X Men show was a bad show. I mean, that's just... pretty influential if you're able to get people, you know. Yeah, the, but the there thing was that nothing, there was nothing groundbreaking the, about the, the X Men show. It I was agree. A, it was I agree. A, just a it was an X Men cartoon. The thing a lot that of the stories were already comic book stories. They were just great animation. Batman the animated series it purposely went out to be timeless. Where I feel like you can watch that at any you know. At any point in time, and not feel dated, where the X Men series clearly is from the 1990s. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, with compliments to Tim Burton for essentially, you know, setting that precedent from a kind of a timeless standpoint. Na, 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 na. You're telling me the guy that wrote that doesn't shouldn't get credit? <laughs> Was that Danny Elfman or Hans Zimmer on that joint? <laughs> It was the uh, the RoboCop guy, Razzle Bazzle. Razzle Bazzle totally wrote that. <laughs> uh, other animated series from Marvel, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends from the 1980s. I think that that was probably a reason why I always liked Spider-Man. That was um, a bit of my gateway drug right there. Because Iceman is a natural part of the Spider-Man universe. Firestar? They brought Firestar into the... Oh, you broke your cigarette. (laughs) They brought Firestar into the X-Men, back into the X-Men universe this week in Amazing X-Men. Amazing title for that book. But I was excited just because of the nostalgia factor from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Corny and campy and silly and childish that series was. Made sense when I was six years old. It still was fun and made me want to be Spider-Man. Until they told me I couldn't. But then, later on, I learned I could. (laughs) Thank you, Brian Michael Bendis, for racial equality. Ah, yes. The 60s Spider-Man cartoon, with the, also, Hans Zimmer, Spider-Man, (laughs) Spider-Man theme song. What about the the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon show? 
equally high quality. Very good. I would put that was a better show than the X Men cartoon. Well, yeah, I agree. I I would stand that up to. I, I think it did more. It did more in animation for Spider Man, in my opinion. Like, it, it, it was much closer to Batman the Animated Series yeah, well, than anything else I've seen from Marvel. It was very strong in the character designs. I feel like the character designs were about as top-notch as you can get for Spider-Man animation. There's also Avengers Assemble, which came out um, a little bit... I think it was around the time that Captain America and Thor came out. I don't know exactly when. It's not the current one that's on TV. But Avengers Assemble was probably... One of the best current incarnations of any of those heroes that I've seen. <clears throat> Real strong design, character design, kind of bit off of Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. with broad shoulders, boxy chins. Oh yeah, I feel like the Bruce Tim style of drawing cartoon superheroes is kind of just, that's the way you draw them now. You know, everybody has kind of taken their own little renditions of it, but the, the core fundamentals are are there. The simplicity of how many lines on a page makes it so that you can draw those lines beautifully and you, yep. you're not convoluting it with extra, extra extra details. Agreed. Marvel seems to have a lot of a lot of horses in the race, but DC to me seems to have the ones that really stand out as award-winning animated shows. Could you almost say that about the movies, though? The DC has more award-winning movies. Marvel's Marvel's animated Marvel's animated stuff isn't as strong as their their movie counterparts. I don't think. I agree. Um, the uh, all the Bruce Tim stuff in the in the early to mid to late nineties was so defining of what superhero animation is. Um, Batman, <clears throat> Superman. Justice League. It's like the trifecta. Nothing can compete with that. As good as some of the... Batman Beyond and with Batman yeah, right? as well. That's well, a really quality Marvel thing. Marvel seems to keep trying to, to get in there. And they just keep throwing stuff out. Like the MTV Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, there was that the like weird X-Men in high school cartoon they had for a while. What was that called? I don't know. I know what you're talking about. I... Don't remember what the name of it is. They, it's, it's like they keep putting a lot of stuff out there. DC but. got lucky that it had such a strong voice in Bruce Tim and Paul Dini to lead that charge and have a defining vision that swept out and, and encompassed its entire universe. Marvel's never had that one vision of what the Marvel universe should be like, look like, and feel like. That's that's where DC is fortunate to have somebody like that in their stable. I think even now, with all the animated stuff that comes out, there's still that kind of uh, unification of what DC animated shows and movies are that stems out from what they did. The the DC animated universe that they have already built. Even the Young Justice stuff that came out, while it didn't have an exact... it, It wasn't an exact replica of the Bruce Tim style, you could see that it was sort of like a distant cousin of that. Yeah. And the feel of that universe still felt similar. Well, they never really said it, but it was kind of like a follow-up to Justice League. You know, all the the main Justice League heroes were the same ones used in the old Justice League show. Um, I really enjoyed Teen Titans Go. 
I know I it was like, silly, but it was a it was a good show. Like they got into a lot of they got into a lot of stuff between Robin, who was Tim Drake, which I liked, and uh, Deathstroke, who they called Slade because they couldn't use the word death for a kids show. Can't, can't do it. <laughs> but they they got you know they got into the the Terra story, and it seemed it seemed really geared down for a younger audience. But they worked a lot of the comic storylines that were already built into Teen Titans into that kids show without losing any of the integrity of the stories. I agree. You hate that show. I now, the, that show. the new one, the reboot, where that's really for kids, that's on Saturdays. Now, I, I haven't watched it. But when it still had an air of a little more maturity... It was it was a great it was a great show. Amazingly, something that we didn't mention: Green Lantern animated series. Yeah. Probably for me, that's the defining vision of Green Lantern: a mix of Star Wars, Tron, and the Green Lantern universe. It's everything that I would want out of that. Everything that I feel like I miss in the comic book that never draws me in. That series had it all. Yeah, I think Cartoon Network really missed an opportunity in canceling that early. And um, and beware the Batman or whatever the hell it's called. Meh. It's kind of a stinker. Is that is it officially canceled yeah. or is it? It's no. over. It's not on hiatus. It is over. Yeah, it's done. Okay, I thought that I had read that it was on hiatus, but all that stuff. Yeah. We're like, don't worry, we'll get the Joker in the second season. Too bad you sucked so bad that we're never going to get to you see know what? it. Good, good riddance. Try again. Because that sucks. Well, Do they have anything in the hopper, any new DC animated series that's coming out? I'm sure there will be another I don't know, but show in the all, the, all the folks that, that worked on the Clone Wars for Star Wars, that maybe that group of, of uh, animators should tackle Batman for Cartoon Network because... Who? who what? What? I don't know what. What did you say? Who should talk about Clone Wars? The Clone group Wars. of animators. Yeah, because I mean, well, they might have moved on to that new Rebels show that's coming out, but on Disney XD. Yeah, I don't trust Disney XD as a platform for anything that I would like. Yeah, that's a little. I don't know. Maybe this show will fundamentally change what the channel is, and because the creators are talking like it's going to be pretty fucking cool, um, but. Uh, the 3D animation on the Clone Wars was so good, I would like to see that kind of quality brought to Batman. Or really any major uh, superhero, uh, Marvel or DC or whatever. Marvel currently has Hulk and the Agents of Smash, uh, written by Paul Dini, as well as Ultimate Spider-Man, that has a host of writers that we've all probably heard of. Both of those shows are real lackluster. It's disappointing to see, especially Ultimate Spider-Man. I've watched a bunch of episodes. It feels like Spider-Man slash Family Guy, and mm. I don't like that vibe that they're going I for. Read, I just read here via Wikipedia that the Where the Batman is supposed to return in January. Mm-hmm. But Green Lantern did this break, too, where they took it off. They said it was going to return in January, and then it never did. Mm. So... Fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hope, hope it gets canceled. Like I said earlier, I have no interest in the Hulk being a lead character in a show. So I have no interest in watching Hulk and the Agents of Smash. But when I heard Paul Dini talk about him helping write for the show, and that they kind of do it like it's a... They like said Duck Dynasty, and, and I was like, yeah. click. 
he compared it to how like some of the characters will talk about to the camera about some of the other characters. I couldn't have been more reviled. If I wasn't going to watch it before, now I will never watch it. I felt the same way. I was like, uh, I already graduated from the real world. Yeah. Yeah, I... Way to keep it timeless, Marvel. I just thought that if the guy talking, if his name wasn't Paul Dini, I would definitely have stopped listening. It's just the fact that it's Paul Dini that it's like, well, maybe it's good because it's Paul Dini, right? But it doesn't sound good. Well, I watched a handful of episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man, and it... It wasn't unwatchable, but Is it was that so. Dini? He did the yeah. he did the pilot at least. It was so really. It was overall it was just so juvenile. Like I, you know, the Batman the animated series. We'll keep going back to it because it's the gold standard of animated comic book shows. It was for kids, but adults could watch it and enjoy it just as much. But no, it was for like, adults, but kids could watch it and yeah, enjoy it's it. Probably more appropriate. But stuff like Ultimate Spider-Man, it's it's so geared for kids that I it's 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 hard to watch. Beware the Batman got a bad rap. I watched all, all the episodes. It grew on me a little bit the further it went along, and it felt it felt more like the animated series because they they told adult stories. <clears throat> it wasn't geared for kids. Mm-hmm. So I think that the animation is clearly going to go to DC. At least for me, it goes to DC. DC? Yeah, DC. So that leaves uh, live-action TV shows. Um, there's kind of a wealth of uh, history to pull from here, right? I mean, it goes all the way back to... I think all we need to say is Batman 66. Yeah. I oh. mean, that's pretty fucking pimp. I mean... People still love that show. There's a comic book based on it. There's a new line of action figures. People every year try to have that Batmobile replicated so they can drive it around and crash it in their neighborhood. That's I, right. I, for the record, I've never been a big supporter of any Batman 66 stuff. You need to rewatch the mo- the Batman 66, the movie, rewatch it, get a couple of beers going, you'll no. laugh your dick off. See... That I don't. That no, I shouldn't have to do that to enjoy something. It's gonna be fun. I, I've never got back on the. Oh, it's now it's campy and fun. Now it's not cool to make fun of it anymore. Now, now we appreciate it because it's silly. I've never got back on that train. I liked it when I was a kid because it was one of the few superhero things going on. It was different. We for forgot me as a to kid. mention uh, Super Friends animation. Yeah, Super Friends. That, uh, but now, like I. I think I would have a really hard time sitting down trying to get through an episode of that. Yeah. It's so fucking corny. No, it's very easy to get through an episode because it is entertaining the entire time. I need to watch some Super Friends. I don't know how. Oh, wait, wait, feel. are we talking Super Friends? I thought you were talking. Oh, Batman I do. Right. I'm sorry, Batman. 66. Yes. Okay, Batman sixty six is phenomenal. I can't do it every I time. It. Every time I, I, I see even a picture of it now, all I hear is Ralph Garman doing the Adam West impression, sucking cock or something. I, I can't I can't watch that show. I know I, I don't I appreciate it for its iconic nature, how much everybody loves it, how much it did for you know the character back in the day. I'm sure it got a lot of people into comics and then when they bought the comic they were like, What the fuck is this? Where's my banana peels and cream pies? No, they had them because they changed the comics to match the tone. Yeah, right. But I, I, I can't I can't support Batman. Sixties Batman was pretty fucking campy. But Beyond that, there are other live-action shows. Uh, 
I mean, Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Yeah. You had the uh, the Hulk TV show. You had the but Wonder that Woman sad, TV sad show. Sad music, the Lonely yeah. Man. You had the Wonder Woman show. Very iconic. You, Sexy Linda Carter. You had um, oh what else? The Flash show. You the had Adventures of Lois and Clark. Superboy. Being yeah, you did the have Adventures Superboy. of Superboy. I mean, I like those boobs. Wow. You had very likey. <laughs> what what uh, other live action Marvel shows were there? There was made for TV Daredevil. Yeah, I remember that. Um, you were black, right? I believe so. And when was da- that? David Hasselhoff made an appearance as that's right. Nick, oh, that's Nicholas Cage. They, I think they even did a, mean, a Nick Fury. Nick Fury. And they did Nicholas Cage. Fury. They did both. an X Force pilot. I think oh. in the late nineties. Is there that sound about right? Ge- Generation X. Generation X. That's it. Generation X pilot. Yes. I think that's all the further away. I think so too. Okay. Um. So Marvel doesn't exactly have much of a storied history with live action. The Hulk was pretty beloved. It was. Beyond that, what? Um, they had something called Nightman. Huh? A show called Mutant X. And let's not forget the short-lived Blade, the series. That's right, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marvel doesn't have a lot of good things. However, they got a couple things in the hopper worth mentioning, I think. They certainly do. This week, Marvel... Made a deal with Netflix to bring some of its original pro or to make some original. I think it's movies as well as uh, television. Interesting shows. I thought it was just shows. I thought it was. I thought I didn't it was read movie. the article because Netflix is is moving into making movies as well. So I'm also making a jump here. But it was also announced that Netflix is making its own original feature films. I would imagine that they're going to have something to do with this as well. But. They're going to take some of the street-level heroes, like Daredevil, I think Luke Cage. Did they say Punisher? I'm not sure. It's Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. Iron Fist? Iron Fist and Daredevil. And they're going to have some original broadcast programming. Each character will essentially have their own 13-hour movie broken up into one-hour segments. That sounds fantastic. When those those will each work to lead into... One Defenders 13-hour movie. I did hear about all this stuff. That's pretty cool. Marvel is nothing if not ambitious. That's pretty cool. I think that's really, really good news. The shows that I've watched on Netflix, their original programming, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, all really high quality. Sure, they're not superhero things. It's a little different when all you need is a room and some actors. Instead of Daredevil flying through the streets of Hell's Kitchen or Iron Fist punching through a brick wall. True. But they are the street-level heroes. It's not like they had Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that. They picked a spot, which is, I think, an attainable goal. And I'm just saying from watching their programming, I trust them. What does Jessica Jones do? Does she have superpowers? Is she just really she, strong? She, You're the Marvel guy. She she banged. She got Luke, jungle fever. Luke Cage had the the kid. Hmm. I don't Is that know. it? Uh, thirteen yeah. episodes of that. That's just super. Power. I think so. It's going to be thirteen episodes of baby making. 
It's going to be on Netflix, Netflix, Netflix After, after Dark. dark. <laughs> Marvel porn. So, I think that that goes the um, television angle is going to go to DC. Yeah, but it sounds like Marvel is going to probably completely dominate in that regard if next it's, year or If so. it's good, I mean, we don't know what that's going to be like. You can't say Marvel's going to dominate in the next year. Those might be garbage. Because at some point, they were like, oh, we're making a ghost, new Ghost Rider movie. This is going to be great. <laughs> and it sucked. Daredevil movie. This is going to be awesome. And it sucked. Like, I think it's way too early to tell. This is a brand new venture that they're doing. Like, neither Netflix or Marvel has done this before. Marvel has a good chance to catch up ground. They do. That's, that's, all, they, that's all they have from this announcement. It, it's exciting. I'm excited it for it. I think it's too early to make any kind of definitive statements. True. Um, I'm definitively excited, though. Good. I'm a little nervous because, from what I've heard, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of crappy. Um, their latest venture into the into TV land, but I feel like doing characters like this, the street-level characters, and kind of, I feel like, less network interference that these shows are going to be substantially better than... I mean, this is my educated guess. They're going to be substantially better than what we're getting on, uh, what is it, ABC's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, One thing going against ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is there aren't really any recognizable superheroes on that. Yeah. The, the most recognizable character is Coulson, right? Yeah, and um, Nick Fury makes an appearance, at least in the first episode. Maria Hill... Makes appearances, I believe, but I want to I I want to see some superheroes. Sorry, yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah, it didn't seem like a compelling idea to me, and that's why I haven't watched it yet. Um, maybe I'll get around to it. Just like I might get around to Arrow uh, if I keep hearing good things about it. I have nothing bad to say about Arrow, except the casting of <laughs> Katie Lotts is uh, is Sarah Lance. Oh, she's a terrible actress. Terrible actress. She's got a funny-looking chin. Yeah, that always affects somebody's acting, their their funny-looking chin. Yeah, Arrow was a real, real big surprise. I mean, I've watched it just because it was a superhero show, unhinged material. How do you feel it compares to a show like Smallville? I think it took... I think they learned a lot from Smallville. Uh Uh-huh. I think they took a lot of things that they knew they could have done better had they gone back in time and redid Smallville, and they're doing them better now. Uh-huh. Isn't there also a Dead Man series in the works from uh, Eric Kripke from Supernatural fame? Uh, I, I heard that about a year ago, but I haven't heard anything since. I think that was a rumor, just like uh, Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark movie rumor. That's not a rumor. He said that's happening. He said a lot of things are happening. He's been saying Hellboy 3 is happening for a long time, and Maybe it is. He likes to talk a lot, huh. and I think the I think the dead man thing too it was like a, you know, mention this in a in, in an interview, get the word out there to the media, and see what see what kind of feedback they I get. Them pay me for this shit. All right, so but arrows arrows good. Arrows legitimately good. Shield, oh, I want to like it. I want to like it. Feel the same way. You've seen them both. 
I really like Arrow, and I don't like Shield. Shield has the same. Shield's too cute at times. It's much like it has the same tone as as the Marvel movies, where it's too much jokey, jokey. You know, maybe it a little should, too much Joss Whedon injected. Sounds like. Yeah, maybe it should be a little. And I think for for an off the beaten path show like Buffy or Firefly, a little of the the quick banner humor. Yeah, you know, is fine. That stuff doesn't bother me. It's the fact that there's nobody recognizable. You're calling it some comic book TV show. There's that. Really none isn't. of the none of the characters are incredibly compelling. Uh, Ming Na Wen is just unlikable. Mm-hmm. It's just not. There's not nothing. Is I, well, I watch it every week. I will watch it till it gets canceled. But I, last episode was great. I was in. I was invested. It was the. I think it was the sixth episode, best one they've had. But I have a feeling I'm going to watch it tomorrow. And it's going to be back to White Red City. But Arrow sucks me in every every episode. That's not what I thought you were going to say. But oh, Arrow drops Easter eggs. They drop references to you know different DC stuff. They even multiple use, DC heroes and villains in that show. They even use the Channel Fifty Two stuff in the back of all the DC books on television in Arrow. I mean, they're really getting deep into DC mythology. How deep? Balls, Balls deep. deep. That's as deep as one can go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the limit. Now, uh, does that cover it for uh, TV shows and movies and media for for these companies? I think that. Do probably... we feel like we can kind of award uh, some winners to these categories? Smallville is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ten season run is a, I would say, a success. How do we want to? Okay, so. We didn't award a winner for um, for relaunches. Um, do we want to do that now? Do we DC because it actually was a relaunch and Marvel chickened out and didn't call it a relaunch. So yeah. by default, DC wins because they're like, yeah, yeah, it's a I've, relaunch. I've been a lot more interested in the stories that DC's put out since then as well. I, me too. Yeah, I agree. All right, so DC wins that. Um, do we want to do movies? Uh, cartoon shows, live action shows is one thing, or do we want to break that down into three separate things? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, let's do three separate movies. I, I say Marvel wins right. movies. We'll give Marvel. that to Marvel. DC wins television, and they win animation. And animation, yeah, live action. Sorry. All right, so that brings our totals to um, let's see, two for DC last week, uh, three for them. This week, that's five, and then Marvel got one last week and one, one this, this week. week, so it's five to two. So what does that tell you guys? Five the to DC two. wins the war. It certainly does. Even though they will lose the market share on Wednesday. It certainly will. They have won the war DC on this podcast. surprisingly thrashed Marvel in, in this uh, showdown. I, I'm surprised, not just because I'm a Marvel guy, I'm surprised how... How badly Marvel lost out on all these categories. And and I feel good saying that we are in agreement on all the categories. Like, I feel like we're... There wasn't one voice that was like, no, 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 you guys are full of shit. Like, I feel like this is a, a, a group decision that we've... It took four hours to come to it, but in the end, we're all... We had a logical discussion. Thing. I don't think anybody got too crazy I, and... 
Valid I, points were made. I really felt that it was going to be like a tie. In yeah. The end, you know, like I, at least a hell of a lot closer than this because, I mean, going back to the very first category that we talked about was the characters and how much I love Marvel characters. And yet, the characters don't mean shit when they're not handled with care, as I feel Marvel is not doing. What we've learned from this is that Marvel's arrogance is getting in the way of doing service to its longtime fans or new fans. The thing that is pushing it forward in, into um, into the new place that we're going is the the movies. Yeah, it's such a strong. It's it's one it's one victory, but it's almost weighted victory. It's almost like fifty percent of this fight. Yeah. I want the new Netflix shows that Marvel's doing to have the arrow tone, not the Marvel movie tone. I want them to be I darker, prefer that too. more serious. They're darker and more serious characters that, that, that they're going to be using. I think that will go a long way to making those series successful. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that covers it, guys. I think so, too. I'm a little surprised. I, I went in, um, maybe I'll have to stop giving DC such a hard time. But it's out of love. I just want them to be better. But like I said, Marvel will still win the market share and make the good movies. And I think you should just f- feel good that your your company that you love treats its characters with the care that Matt just referenced. And you can know that they're not just going to do... Things because they can, which is clearly what Marvel does. Maybe what has to happen is Jim Lee needs to go back to Marvel for a little while and relaunch Maybe. Marvel. <laughs> I would dig that. I really would. I kind of would too. I mean, and and I don't necessarily even feel like Bendis doesn't love these characters. I just think that maybe he loves some of the ideas in his head a little bit more. And I think it's hurting... Overall, the the direction of the company and the characters, I mean, clearly, there needs to be a voice at Marvel that says, excuse me, what the fuck's going on with Spider-Man? This has to stop. And But they're making money hand over fist. I don't don't know who these people are that are buying Spider-Man. I just don't know who it is. They will make more money if they fix Spider-Man than they're making right now. And, you know, shake it up, like, put on, like, the greatest creators... I mean, come on, it's fucking Spider-Man. You can get whoever the fuck you want. Pay Todd McFarlane $700 million to come back and draw Spider-Man for a year. Yeah. And uh, Team McFarlane up with Zeb Wells. Zeb yeah, Wells Zeb has, Wells. has written some really great... The only readable... Not just readable, but it's really good. Recent Spider-Man stuff. I think that would be a great yeah. team. That would get... Not that I would go back if they just fixed Peter Parker, but... I, that would have me shouting from the rooftops for people who buy Amazing Spider-Man again. Bring back amazing fucking With the real Spider-Man. real number in. Real number. McFarlane, Zeb Wells. That's my pitch. There you go. Now you guys are just talking crazy. <laughs> well, it's getting late. So, on that note, my name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. I'm Matt Cassell. Thanks for listening.